This is episode 605 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, How to Get a Reluctant Significant Other to Prep. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, from time to time I get asked by listeners to the podcast or readers of Prepper Website how they can help support what I'm doing in the preparedness community. Now I don't have a Patreon or a donate button, but if you purchase from Amazon, you can support me by going through my link. Now it doesn't cost you anything extra and I get a small percentage. Now, because I can't put a direct link to Amazon in my show notes, I will have a link to Prepper website that will take you to a page where you can go to Amazon through my link. Again, thanks for supporting Prepper website in all the different ways that you guys do. I greatly appreciate it. You know, one of the other ways that you can support here is by leaving a review or leaving a five-star review and then leaving me a little message on iTunes or any of the other podcast catchers or networks that are out there. It is truly a blessing when I see those come across and and uh, it does help the algorithms out there for uh, you know the podcast to get out there in front of more people. So when you do that, I greatly appreciate that. All right, so we have had some back-to-back-to-back interviews the last couple of episodes, and so I'm really waiting and digging into getting into this one because this is actually an article. Now, I love to do interviews, and I hope you love to listen to them because you know there's a lot of value out there. There's a lot of people that have a lot of value, and uh, I'm still working on other interviews for you as, as well. But I want to go back to just being able to read some of the articles like I have in the past and then just give a little bit of commentary on that So, or on those articles. So let's go ahead and jump into the article of the podcast. The title is How to Get a Reluctant Significant Other to Prep, and it comes to us from BackdoorSurvival.com. And actually, when I was reading the very first paragraph of, of the article, I was realizing, hey, this is, you know, of course, Samantha uh, has written it, but she was referring back to the interview that I did with her way, way back there. And uh, well, it's not, I guess it's not way, way back there. It was episode 593, so not too far back. But uh, we were talking a little bit about how to get our significant others, our, our spouses on board. And she really listened to that and started really thinking about it and processing it and came up with this great article with a lot of great ideas. And so I think this is one of those that would be very beneficial to talk about because I want to read this, but I also want to interject just some ideas of things that I have seen, things that have helped me and have helped other people in the preparedness community that I have heard from throughout the years. So let's go ahead and get into this again, how to get a reluctant significant other to prep, coming to us from BackdoorSurvival.com. I have noticed that a lot of people have expressed frustration with getting their spouses or partners to prep. When I was interviewed by Todd Sepulveda on the Prepper Website podcast, I was asked how a guy can encourage his wife to prep. Well, this got me thinking more on the subject and like almost everything I think about, I talked to Matt some about it. Now, just for the record, Matt and I were raised in homes where preparedness was just part of everyday life. So for us, it was never a little issue. So we had to put ourselves in the shoes of others to figure out how to help those that are struggling with getting their partners to prep. So here it goes. First up, start out by putting back extras of items you use every day. Do not start out buying expensive gear. Now, food and household items that you use all the time are great starts to having some preps put back. After all, these are items that will get used and you're going to buy at some point anyway. If you look at your spouse and say, hey, I think it would be a good idea to start having a more stocked pantry just in case we can't get to the store or there's bad weather, it is going to have a lot better results than if you start out encouraging them to prep by saying, I think I'm going out to buy that night vision scope in case SHTF. 
Seriously, if you say that, your significant other might think you are making up an excuse to get some expensive gear that isn't going to benefit the household except under very special circumstances. Save the scope for further down the road after you have the basics covered. All right, so I, I love this because there's a lot of people that do this and they don't even call themselves preppers, but they might have a couple of, I, I don't know, cases, but not necessarily cases. When you think of case, I think like a big, big box, but you know, you, you have a big package of toilet paper, right? You have a big package of towels or, or napkins. You have, you know, a couple of bottles of shampoo and soaps in a closet or maybe deodorants and toothpaste and, and different things like that. So when someone runs out, it's not like, okay, I ran out of you know, shampoo, so I can't wash my hair until I go to the store again, right? So now I got to make an emergency run to the store to wash my hair or whatever. You just go to the closet or to the basement or wherever you store those items and you just grab another one. Now, this is specifically important uh, if you have a big family, right? So uh, when my wife and I ran a group home for kids in CPS custody, I mean, it was, you know, five of us plus another anywhere between four to seven girls. And so, and teenage girls at that, I know. So I made it through, I, I survived. But, you know, we had a stockpile of things and we weren't preppers at that time. So if the girls needed something, if they needed a razor to shave their legs or they needed soap or whatever, we just went to the closet where we had all this stuff stored and we just brought out, you know, an extra one. And so we kind of carried that over a little bit when when we left the group home and that was just something that we did but we never considered ourselves preppers but that is one great way to to do that i mean can you imagine you know running out of toilet paper like someone's on the toilet and they run out of toilet paper and like i'm sorry i don't have any toilet paper i mean that would be a good thing to say hey you know what it might be a good reason to stock up on some toilet paper right and then you can just say hey, while we're doing that it might be a good idea to stock up on some toothpaste or whatever you know and and you kind of go from there so that's a great idea. Stock up on the things that you know that you're going to use. So if you have a, a significant other that's looking at the money that's going out, you, this isn't something that they can say this is going to be wasted or it's never going to be used. These are items that will be used up. All right, so let's go ahead and move on. The next thing up is set a budget for preps each month or discuss your spending if you happen to have a little extra to put towards things. So little steps lead to big results when it comes to prepping. Take a look and see what you can afford to set aside each month. Remember that just spending $5 to $10 here and there will start to add up to much higher levels of preparedness. In my area, a 10-pound bag of rice is around $5 to $6. A six-pack of lighters is $6. If you do better with your budget one month, then maybe you can do a little, little bit more. Just make sure that you are on the same page with your significant other when it comes to how much you're spending out of the family finances for preps. Now, for some people, it is easier for them to set some rules that go beyond just a set figure that is budgeted for preps. You may want to have rules like you need to talk to each other before making prep purchases over $50 or something like that. The important thing is to be on the same page when it comes to what you are spending on preps. I love this, right? And so if, you, if you're making a budget, which everyone should have a budget, that should be one of the things you do. Because if you don't tell your, your money what, what to do, it's going to find out what it wants to spend its money on anyway, right? It's just going to go. It's just going to, it's going to leave. So you got to tell your money where to go. So when you're you're doing your your budget, if you can put set aside five to ten dollars, and you have a list of things that you want to do, like I know I want to shore up my food pantry. I know when I I want to have some water containers. I know I want to have you know I want to add to this or that, or I want to stock up on household items. You know, so you have a goal of what you're spending that money on. Then you can add that money, and I don't know, you might need to save it from week to week or month to month in order to get a certain amount of money together that you want to use to, to make a maybe a bigger purchase, but you're setting aside money every month. And so what could you do with an extra 10, 15, 20 extra dollars every week? That adds up a lot if you start doing it every single week. All right, so next, 
Find a side hustle to earn extra money to put towards preps. All right, guys, so you know this is one of those things I believe in. So I love that she wrote about this here in this in this section. So when Matt and I were at prepper camp, we sat and talked to a fellow that bought knives and axes and then engraved them and sold them for a premium. He used the money to finance the preps he wanted. That is just one example of a side hustle. There are all kinds of freelance jobs that can be done online. Maybe you like to do handyman jobs sometimes on the weekends. How about writing? When I was getting started in the world of online writing, I worked for agencies that sent work with good guidelines. The Pro Blogger Job Board is a great place to find writing work. All right, I absolutely love this. I actually did an interview this morning as, I, as I'm recording this. I did an interview with uh, Chad Cadnight, and we, we talked a little bit about this. And you know that this is one of those things that I'm always talking about, that having an extra source of income. And actually, if you go back and you listen to the interview with, with Fernando Aguirre, where I talked about, we talked a little bit about this, and he talked about those that were flexible and could adapt or the ones who survived more easily out there, you know, when, when Argentina was collapsing. So if you can start working a side hustle now or a micro biz now, if you start doing that now and it's something that brings in a little extra money, that's great. But then if it's something that really can bring in money later on down the road, that's even better. So I'm, I'm always a big advocate of this. I know, you know, we go to work, we come home, we're tired, we want to rest, we want to veg out in front of the television. But if you can add an hour here or there, to, to doing something that can increase the money coming into your home. How great would that be? And I love this idea of what she was talking about here. You know, Samantha, now she writes for Backdoor Survival. I mean, she does this on, you know, on her full-time basis, but she started out writing for other websites and she was earning money. But if you want to test, you know, an article out or you want to test your writing out, feel free to come up with an article and send it to me. I'd be happy to... Um, you know, give you some feedback on it and post it on, on Ed That Matters and then put it on Prepper website. I'd be happy to do that for you to see if it's something that you might want to do. I'm always willing to do that for people in the preparedness community who are really interested in writing. So um, think about that one. All right, moving on. Look at your lifestyle and see how you can reallocate funds towards more beneficial things such as preps. Now, how often do you eat out? Have you both been talking about getting into better shape, but life has got away from you? Well, consider this example. This is just one, and I bet you can come up with a lot of other ways to reallocate, but I want to show you how small choices produce big results. So if you eat out a few times a week and it costs an average of $40, perhaps you could cut one of those meals and cook a healthier meal at home for $15. That would save $100 per month or $1,200 per year that you could put towards more useful things. Now, think about how many extra calories restaurant meals can have hidden in them. If you cut 500 calories off that meal by eating at home, you will both weigh seven pounds less at the end of the year. 1,200 extra to spend and being in better shape or better physical condition sounds pretty good to me. All right. So I like the way that she's thinking. There's always things that we can do. When was the last time you called your cable company and said, hey, I need to look at, you know, how much I'm, I'm spending here. I need to get rid of some of the channels that I have or whatever. I mean, really, how many channels do you really need? Right. And do you even need cable or do you even really watch it? Is it something that you're spending money on? Do you have any memberships that you have bought into that you are paying and you're not utilizing, right? Maybe a gym membership. I mean, that's, I mean, that's how they make their money. They, they make a lot of their money at the beginning of the year when everyone wants to lose weight and they uh, do their new year's resolutions. And then after a couple of weeks, people stop going, but they continue to pay the, the membership because it automatically comes out of their, of their account. So is there anything like that that's going on that you, uh, you need to cancel and you can use that money to go towards buying preps, right? So you have all of that. Are you spending a lot of money on going out for entertainment, maybe staying home and, and watching a video? I mean, you have Amazon Prime. Maybe there is a, a movie. It might be a little older, but there might be a movie that you can watch then going out to the theater. I mean, have you been to the theater lately? 
I don't go very often, but I'm always blown away at how much it costs to go. And it's just, it's crazy. And then if you try to buy some kind of snacks or something to go along with it, man, you're, you're paying a fortune. So, you know, how can you cut back a little bit to have extra money to spend on preps? And so I, I like the way that she's thinking there. All right. So moving on to the next thing here, have fun learning skills together. And if you have kids, include them when possible. Now, prepping can feel like you are taking away from time together if you are running off by yourself. If you have kids, it may feel like you are taking away from time with them. The fact is that preparedness is something that is good to learn together, and the sooner you start it, the better. Matt and I were taught quite a few things when we were younger before prepping was a well-known term. Prepping can actually bring families together and encourage them to spend more time with each other. All right, so... On this one here, you might be doing you might be doing prepping activities. And so actually the next one, she's going to be talking about prepping activities that families can do. So let me jump into that one and then I'll I'll finish up here what I was gonna what I'll start what I was about to uh, say here in this one. So here are a few prepping activities that are options for couples or families to do together. I bet you can think of a lot more. So take a hike together with a field guide in hand and learn to spot edible plants as well as deadly ones. Go to a you-pick berry farm and pick berries. At the end of the day, freeze them, make jam, or freeze them and make jam later if the day gets away from you. Learn how to make fires using various methods and under different conditions. Practice tying useful knots. Learn how to signal using flags and other methods. Practice basic whittling techniques. There are a ton of simple kits and softwoods available on Amazon to get you started. This is the great rainy day pro or this is a great rainy day project. All right. So, and you know what? The next section she talks about, don't go so hardcore on the first camping trip. So let me read that one too. This is one little paragraph. I recommend a single night or two overnight car camping trip for those that are just getting out for the first time or taking along young kids. This allows you to take some luxury items. The worst thing you can do is to get too hardcore on a first camping trip. That can make everyone never want to do it again. All right, so let's talk a little bit about how you can have like family activities and things and do things and you just embed preparedness. The thing is, you don't have to call it preparedness. Like, I, you know, when I was younger, I was a Boy Scout. We did survival type things and we weren't calling them, pre we weren't preppers or, I mean, we, of course it was survival, right? So the, the wilderness survival badge and you were getting that and, and all that kind of stuff, but you didn't think that you were Rambo or the, you know, a survival expert or anything like that. I mean, you were working towards a badge. And so maybe that might be something that you're, you're doing with, if you have a child that's a, a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout or, or a Cub Scout, I mean, that just naturally brings in all of that, right? But let's say, for example, you want to teach your kids how to start a fire, right? And so you are, we're getting to the, the cooler months now, things are cooling off. I know up north, um, some of y'all are already experiencing 60, 50, actually it was snowing, right? So I, I talked with a guy who it was snowing up in, uh, in the northwest, right? So uh, I kind of wish it was that cold here in Houston where we are, but we are supposed to be getting a cold front. So, ooh, we're going to be in the 80s. So, yeah. So settle down there. Um, <laughs> I wish it was a little bit colder. But anyway, so you're, we're getting into the cooler months. And so, you know, people will start fires in, in the back. They have, you know, a fire pit, whatever going on. So if you bring your family together and say, hey, guys, hey, we're going to start a fire because we're going to do s'mores. Right. And so you you do the whole thing. The whole reason you're doing this is for s'mores and you're doing that. But you bring them around to start the fire and like, hey, I need your help to start the fire. Right. And so you walk them through. All right. So what do you think? You know, how, how are we going to do this? You know, and so you start talking to them about what is necessary to build a fire and how to build a fire correctly, because they're going to want to have some wars later on down the road. Right. And so that's, you know, that's just one little way that you can kind of embed building a fire into into your family you know and next time you do it again maybe you do it again next friday night or whatever and then you tell one of the kids hey i showed you how to build a fire will you go ahead and and start getting things ready so that you can build it i mean of course that's going to be age appropriate but hey will you go ahead and get the fire started so while i you know get everything else prepared so that we can go out there and enjoy s'mores and so then you're building in that practice and they don't even realize it. You know, they don't even realize what they're doing. 
You can incorporate fishing, right? You can do that. You can talk a little bit about first aid. Get a first aid kit and and utilize that first aid kit when someone is you know, hurting or, or sick or they have a headache and you're like, hey, I got a first aid kit underneath my seat in the car. Let me go ahead and, and, and bring that out. And then, you know, that's like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that you had that first aid kit there, right? And didn't realize that how convenient that was. And that just kind of speaks to speaks to that. You know, she talked about the camping thing here. Uh, there's just so many things we can talk about canning. And, you know, the thing is, is that in preparedness, we talk about canning and canning is, is a big deal. That's something that we, you know, we talk about food storage, but there's people that can and they're, you know, the preparedness is like nowhere on their radar. Canning is just smart, right? They might have a garden and they have extra vegetables or whatever, or they're making tomato sauce or whatever, and they're putting it all together or you make jam, right? So you you get the kids to get together and, and teach them how to make jam, kind of what she was talking about here. And then you give them out to other people. So the idea is we're going to be nice. We're going to give out, you know, uh, jam, you know, whatever, strawberry jam to our neighbors or to our friends or whatever, but you're teaching them that skill of 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 preparing food and, and canning it. And and I know that it's not the same thing when you're doing jam, but that could be just one one step, right? Next time you're doing you're do one time you're doing jam, the next time you're doing something else that, you know, maybe you're doing a meal in a jar. Maybe you're starting to, you know, do soup, you know, freeze-dried soup, and you're putting those ingredients in there where all you have to do is add hot water, and you're walking them through. I know that I have received, like, you know, cookies in a jar like that, in a mason jar before, where all you need to do is add a couple of wet ingredients, and you mix it up in the mason jar, and then you spoon it out, and you and you have cookie mix, Right. And so you can you can do those types of things and you get them thinking again, it's age appropriate. And maybe you do get to the point where like, hey, we're canning and here we are. We, we're making this this soup and uh, it's the winter months are coming up. And so when we need a little bit of chicken soup or whatever, we can just go and open up this can. It tastes a lot better than Campbell's soup or whatever you get at the store. So there's just so many things that you can do. Really, you can couch Everything that you do in preparedness, you can couch it in something else to get people's minds, you know, thinking about, hey, this is just something that can help the family and this is just a good skill to know. And you don't ever need to bring up preparedness or self-reliance. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the next. I think I killed that one enough. Let's go ahead and move on to the next section here. Next up, stress the importance of preparing for the most likely scenarios such as wind and snowstorms, flooding, power outages, extreme cold or heat, etc., rather than the more far-out scenarios like an EMP, nuclear war, extreme pandemic situations, etc. All right, so I love this one. This is one that I always talk about. So Samantha says, Things that happen regularly in an area are more likely to get reluctant people to prepare than something that sounds really far out there. Consider the most likely natural disasters in your area and weather-related events and go from there. If you start spending time building Faraday cages in your garage to prep for EMP before getting your significant other on board with having a 72-hour kit for the most likely natural disaster, you might scare them away from prepping. Never go full tinfoil hat right from the start. All right, I love that. So, for instance, one of the things that, you know, like, here in Houston, I can easily talk about hurricanes and flooding with anybody and everyone will listen right? If I, if I gave someone a tip on, on hurricane preparedness, everyone is going to listen because hurricanes are fresh on everybody's minds. Uh, hurricane Harvey, the flooding that resulted of that is fresh on everybody's minds. I mean, there's a lot of people around where I live that were flooded out. So people are going to listen to it. So maybe that's a great time to talk about a binder, right? And so you, whatever you want to call it, if you want to call it an emergency binder or you want to call it, you know, an important documents binder, you can bring that up and you can say, man, you know, there's a lot of people who lost their important documents because of the flood. And so, you know, they're having to deal with all the the issues of flooding at the same time. They got to go, uh, you know, to all these government agencies and get these these documents again. So why don't we instead, why don't we get a, 
uh, all our documents together and put them in one binder, make copies of them, and then put it put it in a waterproof pouch. So if we ever get into that situation, we already have that. And so you're starting to get people on board with that. If you're talking about you know other flooding things, you know, and you're talking about hey or other hurricane things, it's easy to talk about having flashlights and and being prepared. That's easy here in the Houston area, in the in the Gulf Coast area. Those of you that are up north, it's easy to talk about you know blizzards and being in a snowstorm and in protecting yourself and maybe even having items in your car because there are a lot of stories of people getting stranded in their vehicles because of blizzard situations or snowstorms so that's not too far fetched you can talk about that and get them started in that direction you don't ever have to bring up the term prepper or preppers or you know survival or anything like that you can just say, hey, you know, I'd like to do this because I think it's a smart move and it's I'm thinking about our safety. So that's a that's a, a great thing to do there. Start with something they know is common. Next up, talk about something else once in a while. Have other things you do besides prep. Yeah, I mean, this is important. So prepping and survival is a big part of our life here. It can be hard sometimes to not let that take over basically everything, especially in the uncertain times and political climate we are living in. You have to have more in your life than just preparing for SHTF or a long emergency. I like to read a lot, of, and a lot of what I read is for research and to keep my mind sharp since I am not in school anymore. But I do make sure to read, read a variety of books. I often have a fiction and a nonfiction book that I am working on, and the fiction book is not prepper fiction either. I have read very little prepper fiction, and I do not watch prepper or apocalyptic TV shows. I grew up without a TV in the house most of the time, and I gravitate towards books. Matt and I have sheep and recently started on establishing a herd of baby doll sheep. We have a two-acre vineyard that we have invested and an enormous amount of time and energy into it. It is a huge risk. Most people that start vineyards have a ton of money to throw at hiring labor and building and building things. We don't. The article you are reading now, for example, will add some money to our budget and all that is going towards a new tractor. I have been working for months typing and throwing money towards that. For the average person starting a vineyard, buying a $5,000 tractor is a tiny expense. For us, it is very significant. We have no retirement fund, pension, etc., if we fell, we fell, but is what it is what we are going on besides prepping for SHTF. You need something, and what your goals and dreams are shouldn't take a back seat to prepping. All right, so I love that um, because it really is. So, so this is one of those things. If you are listening to this, and both you know you and your partner are on board with prepping, it can it can be one of those things that consumes you, especially at the very beginning. Like everything is preparedness related. And so you, you wind up, you know, between yourselves, you're on board every, you know, you're on board with everything and preparedness related. But when you go out there, you find you have nothing in common with anybody else because they are so out there and they're just sheep. You got to make sure that you have something in common with other people. You got to make sure that there's something else that's driving you. You know, those of you who have little kids, that's easy. They're, they're always going to have sports and parties and in school and all that kind of stuff. It's easy to to get you out of that. But for those of those of us that maybe our kids are a little bit older, it's we need to make sure that we are being purposeful and not getting so bogged down with the end of the world as we know it that we really become irrelevant to all the other people out there. That is just we don't have anything in common. So I really like that. There's other things out there in life. You know, preparedness is one aspect. It is a lifestyle, so I will agree with that. That it is a lifestyle, it is the way of thinking, but it should not so encompassed you that you you live in fear and that you don't have any kind of other things that are important. I mean, the, the world is a, is a really great world out there. We have a lot of great things out there. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we can explore and experience and we shouldn't just lock ourselves up in our in our homes. And I think sometimes that's what happens. All right. So next up is don't forget to prep for comfort. I don't care if I get some feedback from the hardcore types about this, but you need to prep for comfort. So here I am going to talk about my beauty box for SHTF. Look, even if I could afford a $50 facial, I wouldn't do it. I don't need to pay someone to do what I can do at home for a few bucks. 
I know I use over $1,000 worth of cosmetics and beauty products per year if I paid full retail price. I added it up and on average, I pay around 20% of retail for what I use and sometimes less. I do this by watching out for beauty box deals at a site called My Subscription Addiction. It is how I finally got my skin clear after years of trouble with skin problems likely related to my dad's exposure to Agent Orange in Vietnam. With the boxes, I can afford nice products that work. So encourage your spouse to put together a luxury stash. Set a budget that you can afford. Want to jumpstart that? Spend $10 or $15 on a beauty sample box and see what she thinks. If you're a woman, try to convince a reluct- trying to convince a reluctant husband or boyfriend to prep. There are outdoor gear boxes and other nice things you can do to encourage them to have a luxury box. Or maybe just tell them to spend some money on small things to stash back in case times get tough. Go for it. Prepping doesn't always have to be about beans, bullets, and bandages, regardless of how important they are when SHTF. I'm going to be real here. There are times when at night you will find me in a flowery bathrobe having spa time and listening to an SHTF school course courtesy of Selco and Toby. That's balance. All right, good one on that one and good for Samantha that she's doing that. And again, I think that's one of those things where you're keeping it real. Preparedness is just not all about, you know, waiting for the end of the world, waiting for the zombies, the biker mice from Mars, whatever it is, right? You you can enjoy life a little bit and do it in a smart way where you are spending, you know, you're you're getting things at a really great deal. I think that's so smart. All right, so next up, Find out what aspects of prepping most motivate you and allow your significant other enough time to explore different areas of prepping so they can discover what they enjoy and interest them the most. Everyone has different traits. Some of us have great interest and or skills in something than others. This is a very important concept. During a long emergency or SHTF, there are many different skills and interests that will hold extreme value. Sometimes it is better to know a little about everything, but specialize in one or two areas. If a person doesn't do this, then they risk spreading themselves too thin and maybe not being that great at any one thing. Someone may discover that they really like cooking, canning, or sewing, or getting out in the woods and gathering firewood, or any other number of skills. This applies to men and women alike. So I really like that. I think that, you know, look at look at what you already are doing, things that you already like and enjoy to do. And what kind of aspect or how does that fit into preparedness? I think that's smart. If you like sewing, how does that fit into preparedness? How would you how can you utilize that? Right. And uh, in in fact, I would even say, how can you use that as a micro business or a side hustle if you're if you're doing things like sewing? I mean, people are always looking for someone that can hem up, you know, pants and fix things and, and all that kind of stuff. So depending on you know, put simply uh, simply put a, a button on a shirt. There's a lot of people that don't even know how to do that. You know, so I mean, there's all different kinds of things out there. So what what interests you that you can begin to really excel at and but still utilize that in preparedness right so that's a good point there next up is listen to each other being prepared can be hard because regardless of financial resources there is a lot to think about listen to each other's ideas when it comes to preparedness but at the same time be able to handle a constructive critique of your ideas while offering the same benefit to the other person I throw all kinds of ideas out there, but I know that on further analysis, they might be really stupid. The point is that it takes that to come to the really good stuff sometimes. Learn to not take a critique to heart too much and to not be overly critical when the other person has a mediocre idea. You can offer advice without being incredibly rude or cruel if you take the time. It is far better to say you want to think about something or take a look at some some articles or other materials than to flat out attack and be rude. So I think that's good and that's important. It's important to have that open communication with your significant other, be able to listen to what they are saying and, and to truly understand where they're coming from. So I love that point there. Next up, evaluate the state of your preps together once in a while. It is important to be on the same page. You should both know what you have on hand in terms of preps and discuss what you want to do in the future or what you want to change. 
That is basic consideration, but at the same time, it is important for the other person to know what they have just in case the other is away. Would you know what preps you have in your home if your spouse got caught away from home during a disaster that made it take or made him take a few days for them to get home? What if they got trapped somewhere for an extended length of time during a longer event? I could talk about a lot more on this subject, but I think this may be enough to help you get your significant others started if there is any hope at all of them either being tolerant of your preparedness mindset or joining in more enthusiastically to your endeavors. So I think that's a great point there and something, you know, if you're if your significant other does not agree with where you are in your preparedness, right? Or does not agree with it. At least you can say I'm not some kook with a tinfoil hat. Like look at me, I'm just I'm just I'm the regular person that you've always known. And that's one thing that I remember that happened in my conversation with my spouse when when I started getting into preparedness. She was like, Todd, you're, you, I remember this one. I remember exactly where we were. I was walking across the living room and she said, you're Todd, you're going crazy, right? And so I came back with the, the, the statement, when have you ever known me to be so you know fanatical about one thing, right? That I just kind of jump in. And when haven't I ever you know, critically thought about you know, where I was going or what I was doing. And so she thought a lot about that, you know, it's like, Hey, you, you know, Todd's never done anything, you know, off the rails before. And so maybe there is something to this, right? And so that helped a whole lot. And so if you're, if you are, you know, maybe you're, you've been married for a while and, uh, you know, you've built this, this understanding, you've built this, you know, this knowledge of each other, and then you start believing in preparedness and you see the need to prepare. And then you can go back and say, look, I, I've always been stable with you. I've always, I haven't done anything really crazy unless you are one of those people that do crazy things, right? But it's like, hey, look, I've never done anything you know, crazy to, to worry you before, but I really think this is important and I'd really like for you to come along. And so I think that's, that's important. Now, the last little bit of this article, Samantha talks about being single and finding someone who believes in preparedness. I think it's a little bit easier when you are going into a relationship where you know people understand, hey, I, I want you to know everything about me or at least understand where I'm coming from. And so people don't go into it you know, with, with a false sense of who you truly are, right? So you're not going to do the bait and switch. You're like, hey, I'm this regular guy. And then all of a sudden, you know, we get married. And on the wedding night, I'm like, hey, I'm prepper guy, you know? And so uh, here I am on the wedding night with my camo and all of that, right? So no, you don't want to do that. You want people to have a, a good understanding of who you are, especially if you are single and getting it out there. You don't need to get crazy. Like, you know, you don't need to lay out everything. But there's definitely, if you're spending time getting to know someone, you're going to start to hear things coming out in conversations and in in the way that they think and all of that. So let's just go ahead and I'm going to read this one here because I know that there's single people that are listening to this podcast. And so this might be really relevant for you. So here goes, if you are single and look and a looking prepper, first of all, I feel for you. The dating world from an outsider's perspective seems pretty darn intimidating. Matt and I met when we were 20 and have been together for nearly 16 years now. So I am just going on what I see and hear from others that are quote unquote out there. We were friends for a year nearly before we became more. Be careful how much you reveal to someone on the first few dates but reveal enough to get a sense of who the person is. You don't have to agree on every little thing, but on some of the larger things, you probably should. I have heard some preppers say that church is a good place to meet someone. That may be so for some, but at the same time, don't assume that everyone at church is there for the right reasons. There are good people there for sure, but about but out of 100 people, I bet there is at least one that is probably someone that you don't want to mess with and is there for the wrong reason. The same can be said for any group bound together by something they have in common. All right. So um, I think that's important. I know that a lot of the times when I talk about you know finding other people that are like minded and I always talk about church. Right. I'll talk about like, for instance, for me, where I'm going to look first 
if I'm trying to connect with other people that are preparedness-minded, is going to be church. Because for me, the most important thing, even more than preparedness, is my faith. And so I want I want to be able to connect with people that that's not going to be an issue, right? So I don't want to connect with someone who is not a believer at all, because not only do we not have that in common, then our preparedness and our philosophy of preparedness is more than likely going to be very different. So when you are looking for someone to your a significant other, if you are a believer, I am going to say, I think you should go to church and I think you should find someone in church because if that is important to you, you need to find someone there, just like you would find someone if you, you know, whatever, if knitting was important to you, right? I, I don't know if you'd find, you know, the the other, your other person in a knitting group or whatever, but you get the idea, right? I mean, you would you would find people that you had some kind of commonality with, and that's going to be the same the same thing when you are looking for someone to spend time with as well. Um, you know, if you're starting a relationship with someone and you don't have anything in common, usually you're not going to continue that relationship. So I think that's important. Now she talks a little bit here about religion, and uh, I, I think she. Um, well, let me go ahead and read this, and then I'll comment as well. I'm not trying to badmouth religion. I'm speaking from a personal experience. I sat in a church pew with my dad watching her carry a cross behind the preacher she was having an affair with. Tough stuff. As I said, not everyone is there for the right reason. Give yourself time and get to know someone and that they can be accepting of your beliefs and faith prepping and overall life philosophy. All right. So definitely that happens. I mean, church people that go to church are not perfect people, right? So I just felt like I need to address that. There are people that go to church all the time that are definitely not there for the right reasons. And uh, But her point is important, is to make sure that you still have that commonality with the people that you are connecting with. I think that's going to be important. So many people or meeting people at bars and restaurants doesn't always yield good results either. I don't actually know of anyone that met their significant other at a bar or restaurant unless they both were working there. There are all kinds of groups out there that can help you meet like-minded people. As a prepared person, you might want to join a hiking group or take some classes to learn skills. Give yourself time to meet the right person. It often happens when you least expect it. It sure did for me and 16 years later, we are here in our cabin in the hills of Carolina. Be real and be true to yourself and prepare. All right, so a great way to end it there because there is always someone you just got to look and wait for the right person. You know, and so getting on this, uh, getting on this uh, idea here, I, I know I've had this conversation with other people. And again, going back to the church thing, is sometimes you can involve yourself with someone and you are not necessarily the right match for each other, but because you, maybe you might be lonely and you want to have some kind of companionship, you spend time with that person. But because of that, you miss out on the right person that was supposed to come your way, right? Or you miss out on the right person that was for you. But because you had this relationship going on with this other person that wasn't right, you miss out. So anyway, that's just a little bit there for the single preppers that are out there. Um, you know, hope you find that person that you're looking for. All right, so let me go ahead and end this this uh, episode here with just a few thoughts. Now, one of the things that has always helped me in talking to other people about preparedness is that I let, let them get to know me first. So this isn't necessarily connected to your significant other, but it does apply, okay? So you can apply it how you will. And, and I've already kind of mentioned it a little bit uh, as, as I was talking here in the episode. But one of the things, for instance, when I was on the campus, People got to know me for who I was. I crack jokes. I you know, work hard. I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing. And slowly but surely, as they get to know me, my ideas and my philosophy of preparedness start to come out. And it might be something as simple as, hey, guys, a hurricane is coming. You know, here's a couple of things you can do, right? Or, hey, this uh, this thing is happening. Here's a couple of things to think about. Or uh, we had a big power surge or whatever. I'm carrying around a big flashlight. Everybody should have a flashlight. So, you know, those types of things. So when I moved away from the campus, I mean, everybody still knows, everybody that's there still knows that I prepare. And that's, I made it. I, I made it clear. Everybody knows that, right? And and the thing is, is that in reality, 
there might be some people that would laugh about it and make jokes about it. You know, in the lunchroom, the lounge, people might crack jokes about it. But I had so many people come up to me in private asking me questions about different things because they needed to know, you know, they wanted to know, they wanted to know how to get better prepared. So I had many of those conversations, those sidebar conversations that, you know, it wasn't, uh, that I was okay having, right? That not everybody realized what was happening, but you know, those, those conversations were important and I was glad. I mean, that's, I look at that as part of my mission, not only on proper website and on the podcast, but in real life too, is helping other people get prepared. So I'm okay with that. So then moving into this job that I'm at now, I'm getting to the point here and I've been there for a couple of years. I'm getting to the point now where I feel a little bit more comfortable talking about preparedness. Now, some, some of that happened because some of the people realized because they hit me up on the internet. And so they were able to see me and see Prepper website and how I'm tied to that and all that kind of stuff. But simple things. So let me give you a couple of, of examples. The other day we were at a, a big conference. We were having this big conference and they needed a razor blade to be able to pop off these letters, right? And to scrape off these letters. So they were looking around everywhere. We were at a, our big conference center and so I go over to my backpack and I bring out one of my little Altoid tins and I have a razor blade in there, a brand new razor blade. And so as they're talking about, hey, does anybody have a razor blade or whatever? I'm opening up my little kit and I'm giving them a razor blade. And so they're like, wow, you've got everything in there. I'm like, well, yeah, you know, and so that really helped out there. So then the other day, and this is kind of funny as well, um, one of the ladies asked for a, a fingernail file. So they're like, hey, does anybody have a fingernail file? And so I'm just kind of waiting around for everybody to, to see what they're going to say. And so we have a room full of ladies and nobody has a fingernail file. Well, I have a little fingernail file, one that I have cut down in my, uh, you know, my little urban kit, my little Altoid kit. So I get out my backpack and I start opening it up and they're like, are you kidding me? Do you really have a file? I'm like, nope, here it is. And so because of that, people are like, no, Todd's prepared. Todd's always prepared. You know, he's a prepper. And some of them were kind of saying it jokingly, but others were saying like, no, he always has everything that he needs. I mean, if we need something, we know to go to Todd, right? And so those are two little things there. If anybody ever needed to, you know, jump their their car, right? Anybody needed a jump, jumper cables, they always would come to me. And that's something that everybody has. But that just shows that, hey, there's a level of preparedness there. Um, hey, do you need some kind of tools? Yeah, I have some tools underneath my seat of my truck. And they're very basic tools, but I have those if people need them. I mean, how many people have those basic tools in your truck? Now, do you have a, a hammer? I remember one time uh, after school, there was a teacher that was moving something and they needed a hammer to uh, to hammer this thing in place. And so I don't have a real hammer. I have, uh, you know, a, another tool that I have uh, in my in my truck and I went to go get it for them. I'm like, hey, you can use this. And you're like, wow, I mean, you really have you really have everything. And so that just goes to, to show, you know, hey, there are people out there. They're paying attention and they're glad that you're prepared. Now, I think you get to talk about that conversation. So when that comes up, you're able to say, well, yeah, preparedness. When people say, Todd, you're a prepper or whatever, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, hey, preparedness is just common sense. Preparedness just means that you're prepared for whatever life throws at you. And they all start shaking their head. They're like, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's good, you know. And so that opens up the conversation. So I know that I'm talking about people that are not my significant other, but you can apply that to your significant other as well. So what if you got to a point where there was a hurricane coming, right? And your uh, you know, your spouse was a little worried. Hey, do we have batteries? Do we have this? Do we have that? And like, no, I got it under, under control. I have batteries. I have this. I have that. Or let's just say there was a blackout, right? And, you know, everything went dark. And it was a, it was more than for five minutes or whatever. And so then you're able to go start up a lantern or you're able to, you know, uh, have a couple of flashlights for the family to be able to get around and to, to navigate. And they're like, well, wow, you're really, you're really prepared. I mean, you really know what to do in this situation. You're able to, you know, put in place whatever you have. So that's, that's smart, right? What if you were in, for instance, uh, when Hurricane Harvey happened, uh, I was able to share my inverter with my neighbor or I was going to do that so that they could save the stuff that they had in their freezer. And when I went over there to to give that to them, 
he said, hey, you know what? I didn't even think about it, but I have one in the back of my truck. It's built in. And I'm like, well, there you go. You know, they weren't even thinking that way. And so you open up the conversation. You allow people to, hey, you know what? This person has some answers here and they might have answers for other things. And so, you know, there's ways that things that you can do. Don't call it preparedness. Don't call it, you know, the being a prepper or anything else like that. Just say, hey, this is just common sense stuff. This is being ready if something, you know, we need to act because of whatever. And so, you know, that's the way to handle it. If you have a reluctant uh, spouse or a reluctant partner who is not into preparedness, you just got to let them see the advantages of it without calling it all out, right? Without, you know, going all camo on them, without you know, talking about the EMP and all that kind of stuff, because yeah, that's kind of scary. And people that, that start hearing about that kind of stuff, they, they don't even, some people would just like, I want to get that out of my mind. There's people that I know that at the campus where I worked at, if I started talking about things like that, they just wanted to shut it down. They're like, I can't listen to that. If I listen to that, I'm not going to be able to go to sleep. And so I don't, you know, you don't want to talk about stuff like that to freak people out. You want to be able to get them to prepare so that they can be ready for the common stuff. And you're talking about the common stuff. So anyway, I think I've nailed that down. I've I've talked a lot about that. Hopefully that is helpful for you. If it is, come on over to episode 605 and leave me a comment because that is just one of those ways that I know that this information is getting out there to you and it's helpful. Well, guys, that's it for this article from Backdoor Survival. Like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes so that you can easily go over there and you can reread it for yourself if you'd like. And uh, you can go over there and give Samantha a shout out and uh, thank her for all that she does over at Backdoor Survival. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 605. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. We are also on all the podcast networks, so it's really easy to search for us and subscribe. And I'd love for you to connect with me. Hey, when you join the Prepper website email list, I will send you uh, a PDF of the 25 handpicked preparedness articles that you should read. Yeah, guys, I have searched all the archives of Prepper website and I've picked out 25 great articles, put them all together in one PDF. Now, I didn't, the article itself is not there. The link is there. And so you can go over there and some of these, you're not, you can't even find them anymore because they are, they're gone. But uh, using some of my uh, ability and some of the things that I know and using the Wayback Machine, I was able to find these articles because I have the links to them and I was able to find these articles and share them with you. So some of these are articles that no one can find, but I'm giving you the link to them so that you can get them. And so uh, when you sign up for the email list, you get that. So I have a link in the show notes that you can join the Prepper website email list and stay connected with everything that I'm doing in the Prepper website or the preparedness community. Hey, and also don't forget about PrepperWebsite.net. I have some online courses and some email courses that you can join and be a part of there. So with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, stay prepped and aware. Peace.